All right, everybody, take a look at your watch. 10.17. I promise we're going to be done before 12.17, okay? <laughs> Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Today we're starting a new four-part series called Faith Foundations. Our goal is to discover this blueprint for transformation or in other language, figure out what does it mean to be a follower, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. There are four parts. I'm going to give you the roadmap for the entirety of the month right now so that you can decide whether or not you want to be a, a participant in this adventure. The first is telling and hearing. The second is doing, the third is being, and the fourth is celebrating. We believe if those milestones are embedded into the fabric DNA of our lives, we're going to become more like Jesus. We're going to learn to live and love like him right where he has placed us to be in every situation that we happen to be situated. I want to talk to you a little bit about foundations. Every building that's ever been created sits on a foundation. Have any of you ever had trouble with your foundation before in a building that you've owned? We did. First house we owned in Calgary. Our foundation had a crack in it. Woohoo! We didn't discover that until after we had purchased the place, lived in it for about a year and a half, and then we had a monsoon come through, and then I had a pool in my basement. It was amazing. We had to hire somebody, like people pay money for pools in their basement, I got one for free, and then I had to pay somebody to fix it, it was awesome. He had to come in, he had to drill into our foundation, literally chip away at it. I remember being home that day, because I was like, I wonder what they're going to do, are they going to wreck the whole building? Like, if they dig into the foundation, is something going to fall when we start poking around in it? And he had this like big electric manual jackhammer thing like it was massive and he's like you want earplugs I'm like no it's not going to be loud and then he started in and I'm like I'm going to lose my mind plugging my ears and he's drilling into our foundation and he's making this big gapping hole and I'm just thinking to myself this makes no sense to me I'm wanting you to fix the foundation but you're chipping away at it you're making what I think the problem bigger and then you think that it's going to fix it all Sure enough, it did. He fixed my foundation. It never leaked again. It was amazing. And then I sold it to somebody else, and I hope and I pray that it never leaked for them. Sometimes with our foundation, we've got to take care of it. We've got to put in some work, some effort, some energy to make sure that it's okay. Because, you know, when you walked into this building today, none of you said, mm, I wonder if this is a firm foundation that this building is on. You didn't think that. But if you walked in and then somebody fell through the floor, you'd be like, mm, I wonder if there's problems with the foundation. It's exactly the same thing when it comes to our lives walking with Jesus. When everything is good and fine and okay, we don't necessarily pay attention to our foundation. But when something comes along and bubbles up that impacts us in some way, that makes us stumble or fall, or we see somebody else do that very same thing, we might start asking questions about the foundation. What are we built on? In fact, Jesus told this story about wise and foolish builders. He told this parable and he said to the people that were listening to him, he's like, it's like, it's like somebody who builds their foundation on a sand. And what happens is like you got beachfront property, but then when the rain and the monsoons come, that, that whole building erodes because it wasn't built in anything solid. But the one who builds on a solid, firm rock foundation, when those same storms come and they bubble up, it stands firm 
It weathers all those intense moments. It stays standing. It stays as a symbol of hope, a symbol of grace, a symbol of resilience in amongst the storm. The first element of faith foundations that we're digging into is telling or hearing. Telling or hearing. And a lot of times when you hear those words, you're thinking about stories. So I want, with a show of hands, or those of you participating online, use the chat on YouTube and you can participate here. Show of hands, who thinks the best storytellers are in literature of some kind? Put your hand up if you think that they are authors. I've got one brave person. Okay. Who thinks that they are toddlers? Toddlers are the best storytellers. <laughs> I see a few grandparents raising their hands. That's amazing. Okay, what about cinematographers, directors, film directors? They're the best authors. Most of you are confused. They're like, I don't even know what a good author is. How many of you think your friends are the best authors, the best storytellers? All right, so many of you need to have good storytellers in your life. Come find me afterwards and I'll give you some people to check out in literature or in film or in friendships and maybe you can, um, you know, dive into that. Did you know William Shakespeare is a dude that lived several hundred years ago. His literature still impacts and shapes our culture today. That's a pretty massive storyteller. Then there's other cinematography, some films that have lasted the, the test of time. Whether you're a fan of like uh, The Princess Bride, which I'm not. Or any other film star, starring like Charlton Heston or something from that era. And you're like, oh, that was great storytelling. For me, the, one of the greatest storytellers I have ever met is somebody who comes to Sea Road. My friend Ivan. Ivan is an exceptional storyteller. He can gather around people of all different age groups and we all regale at the tales of Ivan, traveling the world, running with the bulls, trying to get home from work, having his car broke down, hitchhiking with strangers, whatever it might be. The stories are epic and amazing and awesome and we're captivated by these moments. In fact, I may have been a participant in one or two of these epic tales, not just as a listener, but a first hand participant in these stories. The truth about story and the truth about telling or listening is that it's a huge part of our human culture. The very word of God was first spoken. It wasn't written. It was spoken. It was told and heard. The very word of God starts in this oral culture narrative it's the foundation of our faith. And so what does telling and hearing have to do with falling in love with Jesus? If you've got scripture available on your mobile device or in an analog form of paper that you can pull out, I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 10. I'm going to be reading from verses 5 through 17. And we're going to we're going to discover together what telling and hearing have to do with building a foundation for transformation. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, 
who will go up into heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. The scriptures tell us anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. This is probably one of the most explicit sections of text in all of scripture when it comes to understanding what faith looks like and what faith means. Faith is built on this premise of being told the story of God, the good news of the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ, that he was fully God and fully human, simultaneously lived a perfect, blameless life, then offered up his life in our stead, in our place, so that we didn't have to experience eternal separation from God, but could experience eternal integration with God, eternal connection with him in this after-human experience. That is the truth. That is the good news. Whatever variation it is told, it is rooted in who Jesus is. And unless somebody told you about that, and unless you heard it, you wouldn't know that you can confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior with your mouth and in your heart and be saved. That is a foundation. If you think back to your own story, each one of us has one. Your own story of faith development, your own story, your own journey of transformation. Mine started when I was an eight-year-old kid on my birthday. I decided to pray and ask Jesus to be my forever friend. That was the language that I used at the time because that's what I understood. Now, my story is kind of boring. From eight years on all, all the way to 41, there's not a lot of like ups and downs. I mean, it's, I think it's fun. It's my story. I've lived it. I don't have like a, a super shady past. I wasn't a drug dealer. I didn't participate in human trafficking. Not to that I know of. I don't have plans to do that in the future either. Just putting that out there. I, I grew up going to church. I grew up going to youth group. I didn't use drugs unless you call caffeine a drug. Some of you are addicts. I didn't live a promiscuous lifestyle. I didn't do all those things. I don't share this because I think my story is better than you. I actually think my story is kind of boring. 
I think it's boring because it's like, okay, Jason found Jesus. Okay, cool. Now he's walking with Jesus. For a lot of people, they're like, where's the suspense? Where's the drama? Where's the ups? Where's the downs? There's doubt along the way. Trust me. If you lived in my head and my heart, you would know there's doubt along the way. It's not always easy walking with Jesus despite how you started. But my story doesn't have a lot of Hollywood moments that each one of us crave. My story doesn't look like the story of a man named Saul. In the book of Acts, you can read his story. Here's a guy that was absolutely, literally persecuting and killing people who said that Jesus was the Messiah. Then he has this moment where he becomes blind. He meets Jesus, and he turns his life around 100% and now starts proclaiming the very Jesus that he was persecuting as Messiah. And telling people about Jesus and having, and he gets to then participate in writing much of our New Testament alongside of the Holy Spirit, of which this section of text we wrote, written by Paul, this same guy. He had a crazy story. And some of us fall into that camp where we're like, man, my story, what does it even matter? I don't remember when I started following Jesus. I know I just always have followed Jesus. Why does it matter? Every one of us has a story, and every single story is powerful. Every single one, whether it's in process or whether it's come to completion, it is powerful. I remember preaching in prison in California. I wasn't an inmate. I was invited to speak with the inmates, okay? Kind of pushing all the rumors out of the way. I have never been as free as I was being in prison speaking to a group of people gathered in that space. I remember sharing my story and thinking, none of these people are going to resonate with my story. None of them. Like, they've experienced incarceration and persecution and segregation and all sorts of different challenging moments, and they're not going to resonate with my story, but I felt like I just needed to share my story. And to see grown men of all different ages start weeping was super impactful to me. And I'm like, what is going on? And then to have them come forward one by one and have them share how inspiring that obedience, long-term connection with Jesus was to them. These men who had found Christ in their lowest pits, their lowest moments, their lowest challenges, now at hope. In so many different ways, I talked to a guy who was in there for a double homicide who is now, who is now an ordained minister, preaching to all the people that come in and out of the prison, discipling them in the ways of Christ because he heard the gospel message of Jesus. He heard it and he believed it. Now here's the thing about hearing. We hear things verbally, but we also hear things non-verbally. This is one of my most favorite quotes of all time. This gentleman was not an author, but he should have been. St. Francis of Assisi says this, always preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Always preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Our lives are living stories that speak to who Jesus is. And the challenging part is sometimes the way we choose to live our lives does not line up with what we've confessed with our mouth to be true about who Jesus is. There's a disconnect, and that's why this quote is burned into my soul. The way I live my life, faith is more caught than taught. 
people who are in my household, my children, see my faith by what they see in me, not just what they hear in me. They hear first with what they see through observation in our emerging visual culture. That is where we are today. We almost have to earn the right to be heard. Maybe you've heard this phrase before from a parent. Maybe you yourself have uttered this phrase. Do as I say, don't do as I do. That's the antithesis of what we're just talking about here. We cannot be that group of people. We need to be a group of people that has the ways of our life, the way we choose to live, line up with what we believe in all facets. I'm not asking us to be perfect because we are incapable of perfection on our own, but through Christ we are made perfect. When we bring whatever mess or variation of such that we've done with our lives and we put it in the hands of Jesus and ask him to realign it, to drill into our foundation so that we don't leak. And when we leak, we leak only good things that reflect who he is and not anything else. This is why Christianity and politics always need to be separated in my mind. There is no one way to be politically aligned and be a follower of Jesus. We need to focus on who Jesus is. That is is the purpose of our life. That's where our foundation begins. He is the rock on which we build. And the foundation elements that he talks about is loving people and loving God. So if our foundation is rooted on love, we can understand that everyone has a story and every single story is powerful and it matters. Every single one. Keeping in mind that if there weren't people in your life who shared their story with you verbally and non-verbally, you may not have had the opportunity to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior on an individual basis. Our lives tell a story. Is it telling the story that we want to be told? Or is it telling something else? Second phase from this text that we want to get to is the how to tell our story. And there's different variations and pieces that we're going to be talking about from this. How do we tell our story? Well, the first thing is what we've just been referring to is realigning our lives. Realigning our lives with what we believe. Making sure that what we believe is truly transformed the way that we live. See, if we believe that God is good, then we're going to look for the good in every situation, even in the challenging circumstance that we find ourselves in the moment. Like when we get that, you know, fun little bill from CRA that says, hey, I've reassessed you over the last three years and you owe $463. Instead of cursing at the computer or at the person that you're talking to on the phone, trying to debate the charges. You're looking for the good in the situation. I spoke to a lady named Jennifer about this very thing. She's a great CRA agent, so Jennifer, ask for her, okay? (laughs) The way we live our lives matters. That's why it's so important that when we come to a time of communion, we examine ourselves. Is there any part of me, Jesus, that is misaligned right now? Sometimes it's an attitude. Sometimes it's bitterness. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Sometimes it's unconfessed sin. Sometimes it's just flat out defiance. 
And the beautiful thing about God is he works with us in all of those challenging moments. He doesn't write us off because of them. He waits for us to want to deal with that moment and then he invites us. He invites us to live something new. Does what you believe shape the way you live? It's a great question for you to consider as we dive into this new month. Everything reemerges, school starts, sports, you name it. Does what you believe shape the way you live? Are you the same person at school, at home, at work, and recreating? Are you a person who lives their life that points to Christ? Maybe you need to get some gear on that reflects that. Because there's nothing like the intimidating presence of a question. I'm playing men's softball this summer. I'm not very good. Like I thought I was good, and then I started playing, and I'm like, nope. I was really good in junior high. I probably could still beat junior high kids. <laughs> Inevitably, there's, there's a gentleman on our, in our, on our team that runs the, the, runs the team, and he comes to our church. And inevitably, as he introduced me to all the other players, it was kind of funny because they're like, oh, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, this is my pastor from my church. So I have two monikers now that this team calls me by. Moo which is the minister of offense. And Maud, which is the minister of defense. So here's what happens, and here's how this plays out, okay? Everybody knows now that I'm a pastor on my team. So when I make a play on defense that's actually good, they say, way to go, Maud, minister of defense. If I'm up at the plate and I get a hit, guess what they start doing? Mooing like cattle. Moo. Moo. And everybody's like, what the heck? Is this guy from Beefland? And yeah, I guess so, like Alberta, Beefland, Rancher, I get that. It's inescapable. Minister of offense, minister of defense. And I didn't even have any gear on, okay? I understand the challenging situation that you can put yourself in when people know that you believe in Jesus. Whole bunch of different misconceptions bubble up in their hearts and in their minds. But the fact is, you still believe in Jesus. Why are you hiding? Remember that little kid song that some of us learn, right? Hide it under a bush. Oh no, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bush. Oh no, I'm gonna let it shine. Come on. I also did not have a successful career as a rock star, just putting that out there. Let's stop hiding. The agenda that we have as Christians is to love. Let's stop hiding. Let's start loving. It's definitely going to be longer than 12, 15. <laughs> Second thing is this. How do you share your story? Listen first. Ask great questions. This comes from the life of Jesus. Every time he was in a conversation, he usually responded with a question, with another question. He responded to that. He was like, hey, who do you think that I am? I don't know. Who do you say that I am? Asking great questions. Man, if, if there's anything that we could be really good at emerging from this whole isolation period is great conversationalists. And a great conversationalist isn't waiting to add their two cents in a moment. They're waiting with this anticipation for listening. 
Because as you're hearing somebody spill the guts and spill the beans of their stories, there might be provided an opportunity to share about the, the hope that you have in Christ. Again, on my men's softball team, this bubbled up this past week. We were talking about marriage because some of these guys decided to follow me on social media and discovered that I celebrated along with my wife, married for 18 years together. And many of them were like, dude, how did that happen? Because we didn't even last to year 12 or 13. And one said, hey, I wish you all the best, but at year 18, we got divorced. So I don't know. And as I'm listening to their stories and they're talking about their pre-marriage coaching and all this stuff, it's providing me a platform and insight to share my story. And to use real-time, real-life examples in those moments. That's why we have to pay attention to our foundation because if our foundation has drifted away from Jesus, we got nothing of substance to share from. It evolves to like, yeah, well, I binge watched this show right now on Netflix and it's pretty cool. It evolves to entertainment and distraction. But if we listen well and ask great questions, we're going to find insight into the wounds, the pains, and the lies that people are stuck in, including ourselves. And it's an awesome practice I believe that I could write more books of things that I haven't said to people that I want to say than a single book of things that I have said to people when I'm in a listening posture. But when we're listening first, we're saying what needs to be said in the moment, that you are valuable, you are heard, you are worth my time, even though it's not convenient. I see you, I recognize you, I believe in you. Jesus was a master at this. And if you look at the group of 12 people that he walked most closely with, you're gonna see a whole collection of variety of characters. He had a tax person right in his inner circle. Somebody who like, it'd be like me calling up somebody from the CRA, Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, remember that time we had that conversation about money I owed? You wanna come over for dinner? Right? Oh, hi, insurance company. You're adjusting my premiums by 25%. Thank you so much. Oh, man, I love that. Oh, yeah, gas is going to come down so you can put it up again. Thank you. Love that. If you think around his inner circle, who was around, he had a tax person that despised people everybody hated. He had somebody who he knew who was going to betray him that he put in charge of money and was stealing from the group and stealing from him. He had Peter who couldn't keep his mouth closed and always wanted to fight people. He had James and John given the moniker of Sons of Thunder. You don't get that moniker from being quiet and from using non-colorful language in my opinion. He had the twin known as Thomas given the lovely moniker as the the doubting individual, the doubting disciple. Would you like to be known as that? Oh yeah, there goes Jason. He's my friend filled with doubt. (laughs) This is the crew. And he saw value in every single one of them because he listened and he asked great questions. If we could do that exceptionally well, that's how we start to share our story. Third is just using real life, real time examples. 
I mentioned this already. If we don't pay attention to our foundation, if it's not rooted in Jesus, if we don't have real life in the moment examples of how we are growing with him, we lose our capacity to share anything of value with those around us. It's great to talk about when I found Christ at eight years old, but if I'm not telling you how Jesus is transforming my life now at age 41, soon to be 42, then you're going to look at me, what's the point? If all I'm doing is getting fire insurance by saying that Jesus is Lord, what's the point? How is he making a difference in my everyday moment? I got to tell you, the one thing that Jesus is providing me in spades right now is peace. I've got three almost teenagers in my house. Various opinions, various hormones, various thoughts, various ideas, very different than their dad who knows everything and yet knows nothing. Peace as a parent. When my dad was going through his health journey in February, I had peace that does not make any sense on a human level. I have peace about where Jesus is leading us as a church. I don't understand and I don't fully get it. But I have peace because Jesus is leading us forward. Because Jesus says, I give not like the world gives. I give you gifts that last and I give you the gift of peace. John 14, verse 27. When I have people message me and say, hey, everything is breaking loose in my house, in my life, in my family. What do I do? Can you pray? I reply most often with John 14, 27. It's a prayer for peace. It doesn't mean your circumstances change. It means we adapt to the environment that we are in. We stay steadfast on the foundation that we've built alongside of Jesus in those challenging moments And we rest in peace, not in the creepy sense. We rest in the hopeful anticipation that God has got this, even if the ending of the story plays out different than we thought. When you're given the opportunity to share verbally, it's so important to use real life, real time examples. So if you're like, Jason, I don't have any right now, that's where you need to pay attention on your foundation. Start investing in your time with Jesus right now, right today. It is never too late. You can come to Jesus and say, you know what, I know we haven't hung out for the last two years during the pandemic. I was a little distracted. But I want to get to know you. I want to spend time with you. And you start prioritizing that. Five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. You get in the word. You pray. You get together with a cluster of people that are going to hold you accountable to that, challenge you, and push you, and disciple you to become more like Jesus so that you can learn to love and live like him wherever you are right now in the moment. It's not just rhetoric, it is actually transformation. It's the blueprint for transformation. You want to become more like Jesus, spend time with Jesus, and spend time with people who love Jesus as much or more than you do. Real-time, real-life examples. The last one is this. Offer to pray with or for someone. Prayer is powerful, friends. Prayer is the one thing that we have, the one gift that we can offer somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus, and they will almost all the time willingly receive it. Because we're in the, when they're in a moment of desperation, in a moment of unknown, or in a moment of uncertainty, and they're like, I don't know what else to do. Sure, I'll try prayer. 
And it's not up to you in that moment to use the right words. It's up to you in that moment just to be obedient and bring that person to Jesus through prayer. Not through convincing them through an intellectual argument about the facts of faith versus science and how they're integrated, but about praying. Back in June, we had a challenge as a church family before the summer, a whole bunch of puzzle pieces scattered on the stage, and we asked you to consider investing time over the summer by praying for people in your life. We, we said three people who do not yet know Jesus. And we said, hey, pick up a puzzle piece. Write your names or write a letter on the puzzle piece as a visual reminder of this. Jesus prayed for people all the time. John chapter 17 is this wonderful picture where Jesus is at his most challenging, stress-filled moment. He's in this garden of Gethsemane. He's facing imminent death. He's pouring out his heart to God in prayer. His friends have fallen asleep. They've abandoned him. And yet he prays for you and for me and for anybody else who is going to believe the truth about who he is. That's for all time. He prays for those people. He prays for us. When we offer to pray for someone or pray with them, that's powerful. We partner with the very activity that Jesus devoted his last moments for before he faced persecution and trial and execution. We're living like Jesus in that moment when we offer to pray. I get it, it's scary as heck. When somebody's like, hey, this is breaking. And you're like, well, let me pray for you. And they're like, prayer? What's that all about? And you're like, panic, 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 panic. Jason on speed dial. Oh no, he's not answering. Chuck, Chuck. (laughs) Offering to pray with and for someone may just be transformative, not only for you, but also for them. I've shared stories about my neighbors, Chris and Vicky, and the health journey that they've gone on through the summer. I spent extended time with them in their backyard. And the one thing that they thanked me for the most was that we prayed for them. Now, Vicky wasn't miraculously healed. She still had to walk through her cancer journey. There's still unknowns and uncertainties in the future. But she couldn't even utter the phrase, thank you for praying. It went to a whisper because she started to weep in her backyard. And I'm going like, what is going on? Offer to pray with, offer to pray for someone. If you've got that child that is wandering away from Jesus, you pray. If you've got that grandchild that's wandering away, you pray. If you've got that spouse that is deviating in their walk with Christ for whatever reason, you pray. If your heart, your own heart is lost, is discouraged, you pray. When we pray, we invite Jesus into that space more than anything else. When we pray, that's when the real work gets done because it goes out of our hands and into the hands of somebody that can do something with it. Now the thing about prayer is once we pray and we give that burden to Jesus, we're supposed to leave it there. We're not supposed to let it stick to us like a gummy bear that's been licked and stuck on the floor and then sticks to your foot. Not that that's ever happened at my house. 
We're supposed to leave it there in the hands of the one that can actually transform everything. Because in the hands of Jesus, that's when everything can be built and restored and renewed and refreshed. In the hands of Jesus, that's where broken things are made new. In the hands of Jesus, that's where dead things come to life. And if we're honest today, that's where right where some of us are. We feel dead inside. To quote the band Muse, we feel dead inside. And what I want to do is I want to pray for you and I want to bring you and put you in the hands of Jesus as we pray. Some of the other prayers that we're going to invite to be prayed here this morning are prayers for provision and protection. See, I think whenever there's a move of God, whenever God is stirring up something, whenever he is inviting us to experience more than what we are today, the enemy that we stand against, the opposite of God, the devil and all of his faction, all of his tormentors, all of those demonic presences that bubble up, they work overtime. They're not happy. They don't want Jesus to win anything. They want to kill, they want to steal, they want to destroy. One of the things that he starts with first is unity. Unity between a husband and a wife, unity in a family, unity in a church. He uses things like gossip and slander. He uses things like ridicule and scorn. He uses things like a negative outlook and focus to try and kill and steal and destroy. Because if he can't have your heart, he will take your influence. And so over these next few moments, I'm gonna be praying for those who feel dead inside. I'm gonna be praying for unity and I want you to invite you into prayer for unity, for transformation. I want to invite you to pray and ask God to do immeasurably more than what we could think or imagine. Because when the body of Christ is doing what it's supposed to by loving people intentionally and without agenda, that's when transformation truly happens. So over these next few moments, maybe you're gonna feel comfortable to remain where you are, or maybe you're gonna wanna take a posture of prayer, which could include coming right up to the front. Their invitation to do so is there always. And just so we state this clearly and plainly, anybody that comes forward doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. That means there's something right with them. The recognition that they cannot do things on their own and they're inviting Jesus into whatever space they are in. That is powerful. So let us not judge one another. Let us not criticize one another. Let us instead celebrate who Jesus is. Would you join me as we pray? And as I said, if you want to make your way forward as a symbol of that receptivity for what Jesus wants to do, then please do so at this time. Father, I pray for those men and women, children of all ages, various stages of life, who may feel dead inside. For whatever reason, they've gone through the motions over the last couple of years and it just isn't enough. 
They've done the things, they've said the right stuff, they've, they've, they've even prioritized pursuing you and, and for whatever reason they feel stuck. They feel confused, they feel frustrated, they feel weary, they feel heavy laden and burdened. They feel uncertain, maybe they're even shackled with doubt. Jesus, you can work with all that stuff, every single bit of it, everything, you can work with it. All you're asking for is the opportunity to do so. And so Jesus, in these next few moments, for anybody that is representative of that, I pray, Jesus, that they would willingly offer themselves to you, holistically, every single part, the unforgiveness, the burdens, the frustration, the uncertainty, everything, all of it, and trust that you would work a miracle in their lives, that your presence would come to life, that your presence would satiate the misaligned desires and grant hope and freedom in Jesus' name. Father, I also want to pray for this expression of your body that we call Sea Road Church. We talked a lot about new things today, Jesus. We talked about our foundation. We talked about a a, a new facelift. a new brand, a new design, a new logo, all these new things. And the motivation behind all of it, Jesus, is to help people fall in love with you. New people, unreached people, people that don't yet know who you are, people who have heard about you but now need to be discipled to become more like you. That's what it's all about and what it's rooted in. And Jesus, we know that because of our desire and because of our human nature, that there are, the enemy that works against you is gonna try and kill and steal and destroy. So I pray against gossip. I pray against slander. I pray against negative thoughts. I pray against an unwilling, unrelenting heart. Jesus, I pray for soft hearts, for open eyes and open hands. Would those be the monikers, the emphases of a sea rotor moving forward? Would we hold so loosely to the things that we now know because we're hanging on so deeply to you? We've got no other room in our hands because you filled everything that we need. I pray for protection of marriages. Would husbands and wives choose wisely in this next season? I pray for restoration for alienated relationships. Jesus, some of them are beyond the scope of what we think is possible, but with you, nothing is impossible. And so we trust you in all aspects, in all challenging situations that you would do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Lord, we're starting this season and this month taking a look at our foundation. We want it built firmly and solidly on you. Examine our hearts tend to and fix the pieces that are misaligned and are broken. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, friends, as we bring our time of celebration and and service to a close, another friendly reminder, there are some free elements of this new branding available to you just on the, the table as you make your way out to the lobby area. Pick one of those up, pick two of those up, Use it. Whenever you see it, as Jamie said, would you pray for our church? Pray for unity.
pray that Jesus would do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And there's also a merch table out there. And there's a place if you're like, man, I think a shirt would help me. Because some of us are like, man, I, like I know Jesus, but I don't know how to start conversations about Jesus. Put on this shirt, go to Walmart, see what happens, okay? <laughs> Telling you, you're going to have all sorts of conversations that bubble up. Good, bad, and in between. It's not a have to, it's a get to, it's a privilege to do that. Lastly, because today's such a special day, we've got some light refreshments in the lobby area. We want to encourage you to hang around, mingle with each other, reconnect if you haven't been here in a while. And if you're new, find one of us. Find one of us, introduce yourself so we can not only get to meet you, but we can also then invest on your behalf and support our local food bank. We love you, friends. Next week's going to be awesome. May you go with the peace and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. We think that you are amazing. Don't ever forget that. You are loved and you are appreciated. God bless.